welcome to Black Light Mass Incarceration Show. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Black Light Mass Incarceration Show is a space that is used to uplift the unheard voices of the criminal and social justice issues that many face today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Sponsored by Emancipate NC. Hey, Antoine, thank you for coming on the Black Light Mass Incarceration Show to share your experience and your journey through this unjust carceral system and justice system that we have. So welcome to the show. And without further ado, I'll let you uh, tell us about yourself and your story. Five tomorrow. I went to prison at 18 um, for murder. I did 15 years and nine months. I went to trial three times. I was supposed to go to trial the fourth time. I overturned my case. Just last year, 2022, and on 2023, I was supposed to go to trial. The prosecutor basically wanted to give me time served because we had certain evidence that they didn't want the public to know about. And, you know, the case just fell apart. And me, you know, wanting to just go home and just being through so much and losing so many family members since I've been incarcerated and haven't been able to pay my respects and go to the funeral. I mean, I decided just like, you know, to you know, plead guilty because I wanted to go home. It didn't even really matter if I was innocent or or, or, or guilty, you know, in, in the eyes of the system. It was just like I had to go home and I didn't want to go a full trial, even when my lawyer was begging me to. It felt like she could have won. I just didn't want to have that risk and run the risk because I seen how they, you know, they did me. Basically, you know, they, they concocted a story and manipulated evidence to make me look a certain way to, to jurors. And I wasn't going in front of jurors of my peers. And, you know, a lot of things that was being put in the public was just a false narrative of, you know, what actually happened. So I just didn't want to go through that again or have the potential of that risk to happen again and, you know, lose my life again. Because if that happened and I had to fight for my innocence again in the appeal process, a long process, all this, I, I don't know if I could have stomached that. So I did what I did, conceded so I could go home. So let's speak on that. Let's speak on how the state puts out the false narrative to the community and how that kind of controls the mass instead of hearing both sides of the story. We only get one when it comes to somebody being accused of the crime. You never hear their side of the story until after, which is why we made black light for people to be able to tell their side. Cause sometimes it still is, isn't told. So let's talk about the false narrative. Like how did that, did it destroy your character? You know, did it make the, the community members feel unsafe? Like, what do you think? happen when they put out the false narrative definitely it made me look like to be somebody that i'm actually not like it's like an animal somebody that doesn't have a a regard for for humanity life and just like an animal like you know somebody that's dangerous that needs to be on the streets and be put in the cage for the rest of his life and shouldn't see the daylight so when you look at the case and you look at the facts of the case it doesn't make sense like you know a person is claiming that you know me and 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 my co-defendant went on a joyride and that they was in a car with us and that, you know, we was out to get some type of revenge killing a, a gang feud and the people that was actually there when the crime took place, none of them, you know, put me on the scene or, or said I had anything to do with it. I don't have the description. So you have to have one person that actually didn't see the shooting saying that this is what happened, that there was a conversation between me and my co-defendant that took place and that we was out to get revenge. And then when you compare it with the people that was actually on the scene when the crime actually happened, it it, it doesn't, it's, it's it, it doesn't make sense. So you have people that's not biased and you have someone that's biased saying something and then we put it together, it doesn't make no sense. And yet it all comes out like in my second trial, like, you know, the, the only witness that they have 
end up, you know, under redirect, under the prosecutor's, you know, examination saying that, yeah, um, I made it up. Y'all made me say it. Y'all pressured me to say the story and that these guys did it. And it comes out on the jurors still didn't find me not guilty. I'm thinking I'm going to get fresh. So it was a hung jury again. Like some people still thought I was guilty after the witness and went through with the whole story on, on, on trial, on the second trial, saying that we did it, that we had a story. Then while my lawyer got up there, the lawyer was, I mean, the witness was on the stand for like three hours. I mean, three days, not three hours, three days. Cause this is the only witness, right? That, 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 that ties the key to the case and just got tied. Like, yeah, I made it up. I wasn't there. So my lawyer was satisfied with the, with the witness said and shown it to the, to the, to the jury. And so the prosecutor tried to get back up there to rehabilitate the witness to show that the witness is believable and credible and just end up cracking. Like, yeah, the pressure got to him. Like, yeah, <laughs> I made it up. Y'all baby said this. Y'all been pressuring me. Then they locked the, the witness up and charged. Like, listen, if you ain't going to come back in and tell the story, I don't want you to tell it. Yeah, this is going to gym. So they logged him up. And then my lawyer's like, y'all got to get him a witness. Y'all can't just do that. That's intimidation. It's coercion. Y'all trying to, that's illegal, right? And uh, so they got him a lawyer. And the lawyer's like, you know, they had the witness plead the fifth. Like, we're not going to further incriminate you. So they end up charging him. So remember, the prosecutor is the officer of the court that can only charge somebody. So they end up charging him with perjury. And being that perjury is the only crime that it, it, that holds to whatever Whatever you commit defense on. So if you commit perjury on shoplifting, you get the max or whatever that is. So if you convicted on murder, you could get life in prison. So the person gets charged with perjury with facing life in prison, ends up pleading guilty to it before going to trial, before we go to trial. Pleads guilty, whatever. Like, yeah, we come in to plead guilty. And so my third trial goes to trial and they postpone sentencing until the outcome of that trial for that witness. Like, all right, so we're going to, we're going to let you plead guilty. We're going to take your plea, right? We're going to postpone your sentencing until the outcome of this trial. So what does that say? It's saying basically you're a puppet. If you don't perform how we want you to perform and these guys walk, we're going to give you the... That leads up to my next question. What do you think should happen when prosecutors pull illegal moves like that? Because we know they're not ever held accountable, but let it be a defense attorney's witness do something like that, then they're going to try to hold them yeah. accountable. Yeah, so, you know, they got to take away qualified immunity. Once you take away qualified immunity, not everybody, you know, is is held, you know, accountable. So there has to be a standard of accountability. So when you don't have a standard of accountability, it just, it, it creates anarchy, lawlessness. So these people that do things that really ruin people's lives. And then it come out 30 years later, we had evidence to prove that this guy never did this crime. And yet you took 30 years of this person like that, they can never get back. And yet you want to let them go and then try to give them money thinking that like, you know, solves it. It doesn't. So, you know, y'all are professionals. So you got to carry it with integrity. In order to have integrity in the court system and the legal system to make sure justice is impartial and it's not being one-sided and being towards, you know, people that's highly favored, you know, with connections and money and, you know, those type of things, you have to take away qualified immunity for the judges and the DAs because the judges is helping the DA. Murder is the hardest case to prove. So when you're watching a trial, the judge is supposed to be neutral, but yet the judge is making rulings that sides with the DA, 98.9, whatever, however you want to say it. Most of the time, they side with the DA. We're allowing this in, but we're not allowing the defense to do this. And then the defense to get any type of wiggle room, they'll be like, all right, we allow this in, so we're going to allow the prosecutor to do this. So, But if you don't want this to come in, then you can't you you you, you can't do this. So if you do that, you're allowing it, you're opening the door for the DA to bring this in, in this evidence. So basically, you're crippling the defense's ability to defend themselves or even put up a defense to show another side of what can happen. Right. This is what goes on in the courts. And then when a lot of times when the lawyer, defense attorneys fight the client, they object and, you know, they ask for certain things, and, you know, challenge the judge, they'll call a sidebar, then they exclude the jurors. So when the legal stuff's happening, the jurors, the public is not there seeing what's going on. 
So the jurors should be there through the whole step of the way. They should hear what's going on. You heard? Mm-hmm. They should hear. Why do they got to be excused from what's going on? If this is for the public, why do they have to be excused? Right, right. Because this is and when the legal stuff, this is when the kitchen sink and all the dirty stuff is being done. But yet in the public eyes, it seems like, you know, we're serving in the eyes of justice and everybody's getting a fair shot. But the reality is not. Well, technically, you're no. guilty before you. Before, yeah, you're guilty before found before you're found guilty. So there's no yeah. such thing as innocence in America. You are already guilty. And even if you are innocent, you're still guilty in their eyes. You know what I'm saying? So um, and then, too, you got to think like, about where jurors don't a lot of jurors are just like laying people like me and you. We knew nothing about the law before we were actually involved in the law. And so they are instructed to go off of the judge's instructions. And a lot of times people are convicted because they send jurors, they'll be in there deliberating for five, six, seven hours, sometimes two and three days. And then when you mention that you want to sequester them, which means you block them from everything and they're in a room by themselves, they can't be on the phone. A lot of people are found guilty because they don't want to be sequestered. So they're like, all right, well, let's just say they're guilty. You know what I mean? So it's not a win-win situation. It's a loss-loss situation. This is the system that we're dealing with. We're dealing with a system that ain't nothing wrong with the system. It's the people in it. Like the system, the way it's like ideally structured, it's structured the right way. It's just people put their own emotional and personal feelings. Like, you know, oh, I think this person is guilty. I don't like this person. So I'm going to do everything in my power to spin it. Because it's like Hitler said it the best. Like, unexamined life is not. No, that's Socrates. I'm of course. So he said, uh, he said, if you repeat something over and over, Again, you know, it's more likely to be, you know, accepted as true. So if we keep throwing something at the wall, keep throwing bread, eventually something's going to stick, right? So if we keep telling this narrative, like, yeah, these people are dangerous, this, this and that, then, you know, it's all about perception. You can control people's perception and what you put out there, right? And then eventually, yeah. so, and you know, no, Hitler also said, such luck for rulers that men don't think. The majority, the masses, people thinking, group thinking, and this is why social trends happen. Everybody's wearing Prada, Gucci, and Mary, like, because it's just the masses, right? Nobody's yeah. doing it. And then if you come out wearing a, a purple wig or something that's different, then you look at it, it's like, oh, like what's up with this person? He's a weirdo. Because this person could think for them. Got their own sense of style and their own sense of thinking. Like, so this is what think and look at evidence to be able to sift through what's actually facts and what's bullshit, right? But most people can't. So they go with, with the herd, right? The masses. So, yeah. That's what it America like does. They control it. the mass by propaganda and yeah. by just pushing a narrative that's not true. And they know if they can push a narrative to a small mass, then it will begin to circulate around the big mask and everybody will follow. That is why we are where we are when it comes to criminal justice and the way that we look at it, the way that we label people and they keep that label for the rest of their lives as if people, the state actors don't commit crimes. They commit crimes all the time. They just the fact that they are the state. So, you know, they get away with it but yeah it's all about controlling the mass and how we think look at the opioid crisis before you know heroin been around since the 60s whatever it's been around in the black village you know community people of color all right but now some rich white kids farming is getting strung out they're ODing off and it's being laced with fentanyl and 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 it hits home to where certain people that's tied to 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 families that's actually like wealthy or have some type of affluence or some type of stature in society whether it's politicians kids nephews or something now oh we got to do something about it. now we got to start doing front and forth because it's starting to hit white people's homes now more a lot of white kids are strung out now we have you know um methadone mile and all of this stuff going on in the world now it's the thing but before it was like that nobody gave yeah. a fuck about it mm-hmm. when it was in the black nobody community, they didn't care right 
And it, right. yeah, they actually put it in, and there was been studies being done that what J. Edgar Hoover took the drug and he was putting it out there. The coin in, intel program, whatever that's called, that, that's what was going on. Break up Ronald, these communities. Yeah, Ronald Reagan bringing in. But I mean, you think about it because fentanyl was used, is actually fentanyl is used as a sedative when you're getting surgery. So how does something that's used <laughs> as a sedative getting on the streets of America because the government is pushing it. Believe it or not, government be pushing a lot of things that you don't think they do. They push the human trafficking. They push all the drugs so they can fund other things that we have no idea they're funding. It's And we got to be smarter about it. So now, all of a sudden, now they got all this money that they want to give to nonprofits so they can fix the opioid crisis that they caused. So it's just, a, you know, it's just a circus. That's what it is. Yeah, definitely. So, you know. That's, well, that's tell us something on. good. Let, tell us what, what you got going on since you've been uh, free. And uh, yeah, let, let us know what you got going on and what you're doing. So, you know, um, I'm in school. I'm chasing a degree. I mean, school for communication. I just started September 6th. So I'm what, like a little over a month in. I was just actually reading before I logged into the, to the, to the podcast. I was reading psychology on motivation and what motivates human beings. So I'm studying communications. I actually got to speak next week at UMass Lowell, you know, particularly about my story and just like what I'm doing, like the awareness and how I'm trying to just shift the narrative about perception. Like a lot of times we look at things and think we know what we know, but we don't. So we have to keep an open mind. And just because a person may appear a certain way, it may not be that. So when I go in and I show them my skill set and, you know, they don't even know that that's this type of ability being on and just kind of you know, challenging people to keep up a mind and show people what's really going on behind the walls and within the system. Right. So, you know, like Malcolm said, jail is the next best thing to a college or university if you apply yourself, right? So I went in there and I taught myself, you know, like the power of education and, you know, mindset. Like, you know, you are a product of your thoughts. Whatever you think becomes a dominating force that you attract in your life. So while I was in there and everybody else was compromising, getting high and, you know, worrying about what's going on within that prison, you know, that 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 little, you know, little, I'm trying to find the right word for it. I had it, but in it's my mind, mentally, but that's just, what it is. You know, it, yeah, it, it's, it's exile. You're on your own island. It's like, it's a, it's a world excluded from the world that's actually going on. So it's its own little world because you, you, you're exiled and you're just around a bunch of people that's going through the same thing you're going through. And, you know, the, the guards are actually doing time and it actually it's affecting their mental health. There's already been studies on it. And so you got to rise above that. So it takes a lot of mental fortitude every day, right? And strong will, iron will not succumb to what's around you, the negativity, the stick, and just like, so for me, I, I went in there, wrote three books, educated myself, got my GED, that was the first, the, the most furthest I could get education because they didn't offer where I was at, college classes. The facility that I was at, they didn't offer it. So I'm like, damn. So I ended up reaching out to Stratford Career Institute. I did the thing in business administration, got a little diploma in that. And then I just went on like a writing campaign. I started writing people. I read this book that changed my life. It was The Millionaire um, Prisoner. And basically, I already kind of had the idea, but he kind of just kind of articulated for me, like kind of more so clarified my thoughts in a way I was already thinking, like just reaching out to people and like, you know, to have, be successful, you could be successful anyway, even in prison. All it takes is one idea to change your life, to live like a king for the rest of your life. So attitude, it starts with attitude first. Like, so he breaks it down, the, the keys to success in the alphabet. So A's attitude, B's baggage, C's capital, D's discipline or determination, E education. He goes all the way to Z and then he starts giving examples of people that was in prison that changed and actually became somebody like within prison. So he started naming famous people that went to jail. That's famous as actors, boxers like Bernard Hopkins. He started like, you know, Hurricane Carly tells his story. Tells a bunch of stories and it was just things in there. I'm like, all right, 
like a network. So you have to work in that to catch people. So I started writing people. So I started writing professors. I wrote over like 300 professors and I was just telling my story. And I just, you know, I started getting relationships with people that actually started writing me back and, you know, helped me cultivate my ability to write. Cause I like to write. I was a poet writing poetry. Then I published my first poetry book. And then when I came home, I still had those relationships and they let me go to their schools and speak to their students and they're helping me navigate as a mom. I've only been out going on nine months on the 17th of me, nine months, I got out January 17th, 2023. So just, you know, never say no for nobody, right? Because if you reach right. out to people, you'd be surprised to reach out to you. So I had from Harvard and, you know, Brown University, Ivy League schools reaching out, mentoring me, sending me books. Like, damn, sorry to hear your story, but you know, we find your path to education remarkable. Like, you don't know, keep up with it. It's going to open up some type of light for you, even if you don't ever get out of jail. Like, no, you have that and they can never take that away from you being educated and being aware of what's right. going on and your voice still matters. That was empowering for me. And they just kept me going forward. And then I just taught myself magic and just the mind, how the mind works and psychology and just started just being a student again. Cause you know, knowledge is an everlasting journey and it's just gonna keep taking you somewhere. So it expands your your perspective and how you look at things, it broadens it. So that's what I started to do. And just I'm just on this journey now. Now I'm out here. I had a goal, like a vision for like what I want to do, where I want to see myself. And in school was one of them, like going back to school, because I never went to high school. So going to school now. You know, I got a presentation on Wednesday about, you know, communication and just, you know, mourning, doing what I need to do. So what else are you trying to do to, uh, you know, change the current landscape of the justice system that you were involved in? Journalism. So I feel like once I get the degree in journalism and while I'm going to school, just networking, meeting people, that's like, you know, my professor, he's a journalist and he did it. Then there's a guy, I just got a job on campus. He did journalism, like sports journalists, and he just like kind of telling me different avenues where I could go like, you know, mentor, do internships for newspapers and different, like just learning the, 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 the inner mechanics of how it works. So, you know, that's why I need to really learn at the start now, right? Like start a blog and just talk about prison and, you know, if it catches some type of traction and then I could shift the narrative, like, Hey, I, I'm somebody with credibility. I did all this time and wrongfully convicted X, Y, and Z. And then hopefully somebody will listen, but it's like, all right, I'm gonna take the academic route and I'm still going to go to schools and speak and just, you know, but the ultimate goal. I got my fourth book eventually going to come out, The Diary of a Prisoner. I already got it done. I'm just trying to create like awareness and, and, and get some type of ties within the literary community. So when I do drop it, it has that momentum behind it so that it gets to the right people. So people start, you know, seeing what's going on. Do you plan but to go back? I want to be a general. Do you plan to go to the prisons and speak as well? If they, if they allow me, hell yeah, I go back, you know, I want to go in with, with accomplishments though. Like this is what I did regardless of, you know, what they did and how they ruined my life. I came out and, and this is what I got going on. Cause you know, people look at things and they look at what you have, you know, that, so yeah. you want to show like this, regardless, this is, this is what I was able to accomplish after I went through all of this hell. I got all of this. I got a degree. I got this. I got, I got, I got relationships with these people. I've been here. I've done this. This is what people want to see the results, right? You could tell me you made a billion dollars, but if you don't got the results to show it, I'm not really going to listen. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So, having the proof, man, to pick it up. So just putting in that groundwork and, and having my credentials, just building it, my resume. So that's what I'm doing now, just building my resume. So do you plan to, when you do this journalism journey, do you plan to cover a lot of things that a lot of journalists don't cover because we know a lot of times journalists so you, you work for newspapers who control, oh, basically like, kind of control what they say. Yeah, of course, you know, you got politicians or whatever paying them. Like, yeah, this is what we want you to talk about. So, of course, like if I got to go like, you know, independent, like just learn what I need to learn and just like, you know, start doing my own thing. 
and just build the contacts. Because I want to tell stories that never get told, like that get sweeped under the rug. Like if somebody might get caught with a gun and that gun end up back on the streets, why is that? So I want to figure out how that happens. Like talk about things that people ain't talking about. What goes on in prison? How crimes is being committed on prisoners right now by so-called, you know, respected citizens of society that we entrust, right? To correct these people's behavior that make two wrongs or make a right. Just because a person did something to end up in prison doesn't give you the right to treat them the way you're treating them. So it's a lot of you know, unjustice that goes on in prison from the guards and the staff, the nurses, the mental health that goes on that and, and everybody's complicit with it and, 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 and coercion and cahoots with it. It's just, it's just like, it just baffled me, me being in there and just saying it like, damn. And it, and it just don't sit well with me because I went through it and I see it go on with my peers and just like, how you come in every day, right? And y- your justification mm-hmm. of why you just, why you treat a person the way they are, fucking he's a piece of shit, this is what he's locked up for. But it goes back to what so, you said, training. They train the math. So when they train them, their training is to look at you at, at like you're the worst of the worst and that you will never rehabilitate yourself. So it, it's about controlling the mind. It's mind control. They got a little thing I was reading in, in school in my paper, and I've been new about this because I've read a lot of psychology books. But there was a guy, I think his name is Stanley Milgram, if my memory shows me correctly, and he did this, in, this study, and it was called Obedience to Authority. So he gave people, regular people, Right. They put him in a controlled experiment because when you do experiments, you put him in a controlled environment. So it's not influenced by anything else. And he's like, listen, this person did this and he wasn't supposed to do this. So we're going to we want you to shock him. And so they shocked him, whatever. Like, and, you know, if this person does this, you shock him. Boom, boom, boom. And, and he had a guy he dressed up in a lab coat. He dressed up as like somebody, authority figure, like he's a doctor, whatever, whatever it was. And these people, and you'd be surprised that people with moral conscience, regular people that were supposed to be upstanding citizens, how much they pushed that button. They would shock people under the authority of this doctor was telling them what to do and why they were supposed to be doing it. So this is what goes on in prison. Prison, yeah. You know, they put on these forms. I'm a captain. Listen to me. This is how we're supposed to do things around here. So when you have people come in that come in because they want to get a job and they want to have a way to feed their family and they see like, all right, I want to treat these people like human beings. I just want to do my job and go home. I'm going to do it by the policy and procedures. And then they get in there and they see the machine and the captain. And we don't do it like that. Just because it says it like this for the public to see, we don't do it like this. This is how we do it. And then it's one person like, damn, this is messed up. But they know if they're going against one, one person going against a whole machine, they're either going to be outcasted. Nobody want to deal with ostracism. Nobody want to be outcast. Nobody wants to be the person that like, yeah, nobody talks to. Mm-hmm. So majority of people go along with the program or they quit. Yeah. So, you know, they see all this injustice going on. I had, you know, instances where the guards are spitting in my food, man. I got jumped by COs and they spitting in my food and I'm in there without a mattress and I'm in there living crazy. Everybody supposed to have a mattress. You got mental health walking by the look. I don't got a mattress and I don't got a pillow, man. These people are doing shit to my food. I got my lawyer complaining, writing letters and this is going on. And mental health, you supposed to be here so that I don't commit suicide and to make sure that the quality of my mental health is intact mm-hmm. and being upheld. Yeah, you're turning the blind eye to it. I go to the superintendent, he walked by happy out, come to my door, I'm in a hole. Like, yo, listen, girl, what's, what's going on? I ain't got no mattress, bro. And I'm just recording everything, writing it down. The day and time I spoke to him, filing the grievances, creating the papers, because I'm just going to sue. Right. Now, right. so I'm sending it to my lawyer, and I just sued. I won a lawsuit. Like, I'm not playing with you people. Like, y'all going to do, y'all going to win right now, but eventually y'all got to answer to somebody too. Everybody has to answer to somebody. Right. Right. Even in courts. Like, when they die, they're going to have to answer to God. Like, the yeah. people that's looking for them, you're going to have to answer to somebody. Yeah. You might be but, God in this moment on this earth, but when you go to the, the spiritual realm, you're gonna answer to somebody. People don't the people don't think that far ahead though. They just think about the authority that they hold right now while they're here on earth. You know what I'm saying? And so thank you for bringing that to light because that's really important. I've been working on abuse of power 
here in our facilities and I reached out to the media to see if they could do a story on it. And you think I heard anything? Nope. The only person been doing it and doing stories on it is me. And nobody else said nothing about it. Media ain't even try to reach out and see what was going on to uplift the story. So, yeah, we need more journalists who are really going to say, all right, yeah, let's write on this because this is something that ain't really wrote on and it needs to be investigated instead of, you know, looking to their boss to see if it's okay to write about it. Uh, mm-hmm. We do need those people because, like like we said, the, the news runs the mass. And a lot of the news is, is false news, is propaganda. But we need that real news that people can trust and understand that what you're saying is true. Who can throw the news? The people with the money control the news. This week, what you going to put out? Everybody got a boss of money talks, man. It controls people. So when you have somebody that's going to give you the raw uncut, eventually you might get killed. Something happened. Or there's going to be some type of, oh, let's find some type of dirt on this person to discredit them. So this is what goes on, right? Hey, we're going to have to silence this person one way or another. We're going to have right. to, oh, he's, he's stirring up an uprising. He's, he's causing something to where we don't have control no more. So they have a way of doing that. So, you know. Me doing that, it's like me putting my life on the line. But it is what it is. Like, I hey, got a purpose to do. I'm going to do listen, it if I get I say you got to stand up and fight for something. And God say, keep fighting a good fight. He always going to protect you as long as you fighting that good fight. So, hey, I keep doing what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody going to stop me from doing what I'm here, what I'm sent to do, which is my purpose and my passion. And that's to speak for the ones that are voiceless. Because you always going to have somebody that's going to hate, that's going to try to stop you. But as long as you got, as long as you got that spirit on top of you. Yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. He caused Elijah to be invisible, right? When the enemies came to get him, maybe looking for Elijah. He's causing all these problems. He made him invisible. Elijah brought him to his homeland where he had all his soldiers. Listen, it didn't make me uninvisible. So now they see who I am. Right. And they killed all. So, you know, that's just being a unit having that, that oil over you. Right? So, right. so what we tell some like some of the younger generation, because we see now that they are starting to grab them by the mask and incarcerate them. And what would you tell somebody that's 15, 16, 17? Because these kids are out of control. I mean, I ain't gonna lie. Like some of them rocking around 10 and 11 with guns. In my day, you know, we we talked things out. If not, we fought about it. It was no shooting. Now you get shot, you know what I'm saying, for a little or nothing. So what would you tell these kids today to keep them away from the system? Because we also got to keep ourselves away from the system. We can't put ourselves there either. You know what I'm saying? I would say the first thing, man, everything you do has a, re- a response, a consequence to it. For every action is a reaction. And then what you do not only just affects you personally, it affects people around you. So if you, you know, you carry a gun and you do something that hurts, not only the person, it hurts their family, it hurts you, it hurts your family, your mother and all that, all the people you're running around with, that's supposedly your homeboys ain't going to be there for you. Now, if you face in real time, like you might get one or two, and then, you know, most of them try and get at your girl. You know, uh, you know, backbiting because you might have a better name. All it is is everybody just want to be respected and admired. Everybody want to have like feel like they're their guy. Like, but at the end of the day, like it's, you could do it a different way. That's the easiest way to do it. When you're doing it with destruction, like you're gonna end up in a place where they just want to put you away and treat you like an animal, like a slave, where nobody really cares. You ain't gonna have no power. So, right, what you seeing on 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 TV, the rapping, the gang, all that shit, it's 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 just entertainment. It's not real. There's no love. There's no love in this game, man. When you live in it, like, there's no love in it. They don't love you. The only people that love you is your family. And if, and if you don't got family that don't love you, God love you, right? And yes. you got to slip your heart, man. You got you to gotta want better for yourself. And it's not better because if you really love yourself, you're not going to put yourself in an environment to where you're going to experience so much pain. Pain. Right, right. It's pain in my life, man. That life is full of pain. There's no happiness in that life. No, really. I- Really ain't, man. It really ain't. And you 
sure don't want to be women, in no prison. Like women, you ain't gonna be around them. You could be around a bunch of men. You got men in there committing homosexual acts, all type of stuff, man. Misery yeah. loves coming. It's gonna be a lot of pain in there. And you know, stop it before get man and just listen, man. Listen. You got two eyes and ears for a reason. Listen, pay attention and ask questions, right? And and not just take things for face value, but examine the things that you see and value it as you face it. Because just because something looks one way doesn't mean it's actually that way. Like a person may be admired and respected on the street as Jay's a stand up guy, he's a gangster and all of that. But once he go in jail, he still got to drop his drawers. He got to bend over and squat. He got to be told when to log in. So is he really a gangster, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, it's phone call being cut off short to see okay you got to lock the fuck in and they cut your phone call off like you know but you wasn't taking nothing on the street so why are you taking it from them you don't pick and choose if you a gangster you a gangster all the way around right hey, so yeah. i'm picking and choosing right like so you know it's, it's lies man. It's, it's, it's just a it's just a it's a trick and an illusion being played streets ain't real and it's also about understanding that it's okay to agree and disagree. That don't mean you got to take the next man out because you're not agreeing at all. So we got to get back to learning how to solve conflict without killing one another. You know what I mean? It's all about communicating, learning how to talk to people, right? And then put your ego to the side because everything's pride. Pride of ego gets people killed and get them in jail, right? And, and it hurts people's feelings, you know, in the long run, you know? So you got to learn how to put that to side and have a conversation with somebody. So a lot of times, like if you might have a disagreement with somebody and that person might not really want to fight or, or take it to that level, but they feel influenced because of people that's watching. So a lot of people do things off what everybody else is seeing rather than being true to themselves and they heart, they don't want to do that. They don't want to do this, but being that other people seeing, they don't want to appear some way to their peers. So they force to do something that they don't want to do social pressure. Don't do nothing you don't want to do that or something that you're going to regret, regret quietly, you know, secretly in your heart, you know, when nobody else is around. Be that person you are when nobody else is around. That's who you are. Be that in real life. Right. Right. That's all you know? fact. <laughs> that is that is all fact. And man, you know, everybody want to be accepted. Everybody want to be like if a person can't love you for who you are, then they wasn't meant to be in your corner. You know, you got to be who you are regardless. If a person can't accept you with your flaws and your blemishes, then they ain't for you. And right. for me, I had to learn that in prison. I had to lose my life to realize, you know, the people that I thought was, you know, really for me or or that I was spending my time and energy, you know, on um, dedicating my life to didn't give a fuck about me. Did any of those that, people show up when you when it was time to visit or when it was time to put money on the books? <laughs> only one person, only one person did it. But other than that, it was like my family. Then even my family turned their back on me. After being there so long, they're like, this dude's a burden, man. Like, he ain't getting out. He ain't never going to get out, man. You're going to die in there, right? So everybody started. And it was just all I had was God, man. And I had to change what I had to get with the spirit, right? And then once I started, you know, getting with God and, you know, having conversations with him, he started opening doors for me. Good people started to come in my life. I still got in my life to this day. The pastor lady, I mean, I wrote, I wrote, I was writing churches. I was writing, reaching out to people. I just want fellowship. I just want people in my life, man. I just want, I'm trying to do something positive. I'm trying to write books. I'm trying to tell my story. I'm trying to educate myself and the right people just started coming to my life and they helped me to this day, you know? So you got to get on that spiritual. I'm telling you, honey, that's a lot of ways. The only way you're going to make it. Yeah, that's how I got out of jail. How do you think I got out of jail? I no prison, no probation, nothing. The lawyer, I had a $100,000 lawyer for free. It's crazy how God works. When you have blessings with your name on it, they come chasing you down. You ain't got to chase it down. I had the best lawyer in mass. For free, Rosemary Scapicho, top lawyer in Maris. She did the Netflix series, The Trial Four with Sean Ellis. And I had her for free. 
And she want money. She's about a money. But being that, you know, being favored and having that oil, my appellate lawyer, Nathua, she reached out to my appellate lawyer, like, congratulations on the victory. Well, it's like, because I had a list of like the appellate lawyer, like the lawyers I wanted. Like, and she was on it. She was like number three. She wasn't number one. She's like the third lawyer I had on the list. But she happened to call my lawyer. And, you know, God, God uses people as instruments to get his people where they need to get them to. And he knew that was the right person for the battle. Yeah, because you got to have that right talk, person. And she yeah. didn't want me to talk about. And she told me in the beginning when she took my case, like, if, if any lawyer tell you they could beat the case or, or that they're going to 100% guarantee that you're going to get out, then fire them because they're lying. Because you might have a tribal case, but anything that happened in the courtroom. I've been doing this for 40 something years. And I'm telling you, you got a tribal case, but I'm not going to guarantee you a victory. You know? And then as it got closer to time, they fighting the case. Her and my appellate lawyer, they helped me get my, my, my fourth trial. She's like, listen, I want you to go to trial to beat this case. But before she wasn't saying that, she said it's a strong possibility you have a tribal case. But, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. As she got the dissecting the case and, and they got the, you know, working and doing investigations, man, don't cop out. I know I can get, I'm like, listen, I'm ready to go home, man. I'm not playing. I had, a, I had this thing called Bell's Falls. My whole face out of my face was paralyzed. Medical didn't do yeah. nothing. I'm telling them, like, I feel like something's wrong. They just, oh, you're just playing games. You just want to talk to a nurse. I'm like, listen, I can't, my shit's drooling. My mouth's over here. Like I'm paralyzed. Man, they I had to fall out. My mom's calling up. My lawyer's calling up. My girl calling up. Man, they wouldn't even did the people in the jail started acting. I'm like, yo, man, I gotta send this dude out, man. Right. It should have took all of that. You know what I mean? Never should take all of that. Crazy, you know, but this is just the type of stuff you go through in there. That's why you gotta stay away. Yes, bad in there. Man, the quality of living is is like this, man. It's like we in West Africa. When, when they ain't have nothing, man. Like, y'all ain't nothing over there, man. Fuck y'all. You hear? It's bad, man. It's bad in there. So I want to talk about those type of stories. The quality of medical care, mental health care, all that. People, when I was in there before I went home, like three dudes killed themselves. There's a dude in there smoking K2 all day, every day. Dang. He had a bad phone call. They lugged him to the hole. He killed himself, bro. Hung himself and died. And mental health don't come see you that day. You go to the whole, like, when you're in a state prison, because I end up overturning my case and going to county jail. County jail is even worse than a state prison. Oh, state yeah. State prison go, But county but jail Mental health don't go see you to the next day. So upstate, in the state prison, where I was at, before you even go to the whole, you got to get cleared through medical and mental health. You're not, we got to assess your mental health to see if you even fit to be in a cage locked in for 23 and 1. And they didn't do this with this dude. He was going to see mental health the next day. He killed himself that night. Hmm. And they're still doing it like that. And there's multiple dudes that did that and killed themselves like that. And they're still doing it like that. Because so a lot of people lose hope. Like, that place makes you feel hopeless. So and when the, you... But what I'm saying is the policies and protocol and procedures and how they're doing, they're supposed to change it. Listen, you can't go to the hole unless mental health. But they don't, nobody want to work in that jail, so they don't even have mental health facilities. Like, workers that want to work there, so they got like three or four, so they do the bare minimum and they keep and They know, like, hey, I ain't got to do nothing. Y'all still going to pay me because y'all can't get nobody to stay here. The turnover rate so crazy. Nobody wants to work here. Well, at least they do that in y'all state prisons. They don't do that. When you go into the hole, they take your ass straight to the hole. You go into the hole. It ain't no mental health coming. Now, they'll come around after you get there and be like, do you need anybody to talk to? And you say no. Or you say, yeah, they they might talk to you for a few minutes yeah, that's, and they're that's gone. They that's how they do it in the county jail. But upstate, they do it different. They do it different. But the county jail, they do it like that, too. It's crazy. We, we like that county and state. You hear me? <laughs> they just 23 and down and then they're gonna put you in a dog cage but you you little you little out out you in a dog cage literally you know 
It's something else. And then you can't even use the bathroom in peace because if you put something over your, your little window, they're going to say that you're tampering with a lock or you're violating a, a, a order. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's wild. Wild. Yeah, you got a lot of, you got a lot of like closet homosexual work and then like guards and stuff like that. So they strip you, tell you to spread your cheek. Like do little homophobe, like homosexual acts, man. Like, just do crazy stuff, man. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. The, it is, they man. don't get in trouble for it, but let it be a regular person. Then you're going to be a sex offender and then you got to register. Man, they do all type of weird stuff, man. It's crazy. It is, man. Yeah, it is wild. Being deprived of humanity in every sense, in every form of fashion. You got girls working in there, coming in there, smelling all good. They know they ain't getting no attention on the streets, wearing some tight stuff. Man, and then you start looking at it, like you say, so he's going to the hole, like crazy. Or either the ones like, that's mad at they man or mad they ain't got no man, they want to come out and take it out on y'all because it really ain't nothing you could do. So they just treat you and talk to you any kind of way and look at you like you ain't nothing. I'm telling you. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff you got to deal with. So in jail, you learn patience, right? You got to. Patience and and, and 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 how to control your emotions. If you're in tune, just I mean, there's still dudes in there acting crazy and off impulse and just you know acting like an animal, conforming to the environment. Like fuck it, this is where I'm at. I'm gonna start acting crazy, and it, this is all they respect. Like you know, violence and, and destruction. You know, but I I rather fight mentally, right? Like I pick and choose my battles, and, and I'm not gonna fight your battle on your turf. I'm gonna fight it on my turf. I'm gonna win. I gotta fight it. Sometimes you gotta stand for something, you know. Sometimes you might have to get like that, you know, to get your point across, right? But for the most part, intellect, intellect over emotion. Right. And and the thing is, about. they might have your body incarcerated, but don't let them incarcerate your mind because well, they can't touch that unless you allow them to touch that. I'd have had a female god, you know, write me up for something I ain't never do, and uh, you know, being in the spirit and just you know doing my type, and it just you know, walking with God and, you know, trying to build his kingdom and just, you know, talking the gospel. And, you know, it says, you know, vengeance is mine for my peoples and Deuteronomy, right? Like, you ain't got to get vengeance back. Like, I'm going to get it for you. She ended up getting fired. She was fucking, and she was already doing wrong. She was messing with an inmate and I was cool with the inmate. I knew who he was. And I'm like, don't tell her that on because the other CEOs didn't like me or whatever. And I had wrote a book and I wrote a poetry book and, and it was a poem about a CEO, a nurse in there. And I guess the CEO loved that he was engaged, but she was a whore. And I guess, you know, they end up contrabanding my book. Like, oh, you can't get this book to edit it. And then they try to say, oh, you wrote a poem about a, a, a stab in here. And it's, it's compromising. I'm like, it's a poem. Okay, oh, nothing. It's just a poem. Called, and and, and uh, XYZ. So he didn't like me. So he convinced the CO chick to say that I try to flirt with her or something like that and wrote a ticket and ended up lugging me. But I'm telling the dude, he's like, I know you didn't. I'm like, yo, she's fat. She's ugly. I don't like her. She, I'm not attracted to her. XYZ, right? And they end up um lugging me. I'm like, yo, tell her, bro. Like, she's like, nah, he did that. And my man is looking at her like, yo, bro, he didn't do that. You know he didn't do stop don't that to, to end up getting loved and all of that, right? Don't you know two months later my man got out and he ended up getting caught with a gun in her car. He was dropping her off. They seen him and bring her to work to the facility. He had drugs and a gun in the car, and I'm locking him up. And then the car, the gun was registered her name because she got a license to carry. So he had the gun in there in the glove department and they had found drugs and all that. They're like, yo, man, they came and got her. Listen, you got to call the police. You're messing with a known felon. What are you doing? And she's like, you either resign now or you could try to fight it because you're in a union and you're going to lose. Right. Stupid ass chick. You know what I'm saying? But God, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you do fucked up. You not be deceived. Right. God, I mean, you know, wrong, man, we'll Yeah. She so you want to do some fucked up shit? It's gonna come back to you. You want to do some wrongdoing, and you're doing wrong. Comes right back double time. I'm trying to tell yeah. you, people don't realize that. 
And just so you know, when you when you, when you just like, you know, take yourself off the throne and put God on the throne, he's going to open doors for you. You know, he's just going to open the doors for me. So I'm blessed, man. I'm about to have my own apartment in like two months. I've only been out nine months. I'm already about to have a whole place. So, because I know a lot of people who are formerly incarcerated have a hard time trying to find anywhere to live, a job, the whole just regular resources that you need to survive every day. You know what I mean? You want that 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 hatchet protection when you give your life to God. He's gonna he's he gonna cause like it says in the book of Psalms, the first verse. <laughs> like you know, he's gonna cause that tree, and and he's gonna have a tree. Imagine a tree, and I'm paraphrasing, a tree right planted right next to a lake, right where there's water, and everything else around it is dry land. But you're going to be like that tree that's around it right next to that water. And everything else is dry and famine and, and the resources depleted. But you're going to be bountiful. Mm-hmm. So God will cause you to be like that. He will. He will. So that's right. what's going on right now. Well, I'm, listen, I, I am, I'm glad to see that you are thriving and that incarceration did not take you down. Because, you know, as we know, uh, data says people who are incarcerated, their life expectancy is 10 years. Um, to have the type of mind that you have and the ambition that you have to be different. And it takes a lot to to get that mindset inside of prison because, like you said, a lot of people just sit, you know what I'm saying? They just let the environment really just take them in. And so they just get strung out. They get depressed and, you know, they start acting like an animal. But it takes a lot to really say, hey, I don't, I don't want to be that way. I want to learn knowledge because knowledge is what's going to get me here. It's going to get me out of here. It's going to get me where I need to be, whether I'm still in here. But you, you know, you can't imprison my mind. So I appreciate this, this insightful information, and let let the audience know where they can catch you at. If you got a book, you know, website, uh, social media, just in case they want to reach out to you, follow you. So my social media is Cartier Rose LLC, but you can find me on my website AntoineCarter.com. A N T W A N C A R T E R dot com. I got three books out. My latest is Sacred Lotus. All my stuff's on there. My books, my social media's on my website, everything. How they can get in contact with me, support my work, my speeches, everything. Yeah, and he'll come speak too. So any colleges that want to hear his story, reach out to Antoine. He's got a, a nice story to tell. It's a real nice story to tell. Definitely. All right, Antoine, we appreciate you coming on Black Light Mass Incarceration Show. Um, we wish you the best. Stay in touch. Keep us updated. If you want to come back for an update, you know, in the next few months, tell us how school is going and, you know, apartment living and all that good stuff. We're glad to have you back. We always love updates. I definitely will. Definitely all right, will. my man. You take care. My blessings. Have all a good right. day. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Your host. Sierra Cobb. Take care.